Well, hello and welcome to Engineering Where the Tide Flows, the Texas Copri podcast. We are your hosts. I'm Philip Blackmar. And I'm Anna Hashert. So this podcast is going to explore exactly what the title says, Engineering Where the Tide Flows. For those that don't know, COPRI stands for Coasts, Oceans, Ports, and Rivers Institute. Geographically, these are areas that we all hear about quite frequently, whether it's vacationing or understanding how port congestion is keeping us from getting our newest iPhone. But this podcast is going to go a little bit deeper and explore the engineering side of things. This is a podcast by engineers, for engineers, and anyone else who is interested in listening in. If that sounds technical and boring, give us a chance. I think we can make it pretty exciting. Each episode will feature a project spotlight where we get to interview engineers and project managers that are involved, hear what the challenges were of the project, why this is important to our coasts, why it's important to us as listeners, and what are some of the lessons that we've learned along the way. So for example, what happens if all of the sand gets removed off of your beach? What do we see on that beach and how do we fix that problem? We hear all about channel expansions right now. So how are we expanding our channels? How much do we need to dig um, and dredge and where does that material go to get there? At the end of the, each show, we'll go through some COPRI updates, so we'll talk both on the national and the local level. This podcast is presented by the American Society of Civil Engineers, Coasts, Oceans, Ports, and Rivers Institute, Texas Gulf Coast Chapter, and is produced by the American Shoreline Podcast Network. First, we want to introduce ourselves. So, hey, y'all. I'm Anna, a proud member of the COPRI Texas Gulf Coast Chapter, And I'm so excited to bring this podcast to you. I was born and raised on an island in the Chesapeake Bay in Maryland. So you could say the water is kind of in my blood. Growing up, steps from the beach, I found myself committed to a life that would keep me living close to the coast. And so that's how I came to study at the Naval Academy in Annapolis. That's where I received my degree in ocean engineering. And I now live in Houston, Texas. and work as a civil engineer on marine structures. And I try to take as many site visits as possible to get back to that water. And my name is Philip Blackmar. I'm a fellow member of the Copri Texas Gulf Coast chapter, and I'm also really excited to be here. I was born and raised in Corpus Christi, Texas, with an avid fisherman as a dad and a water lover as a mom. So I pretty quickly came to love the water, and I developed an obsession with surfing. And when you're a surfer and you're a fisherman, you start to naturally study coastal processes to figure out where the next uh, sandbar is going to be or where to go to catch your next fish. Um, With that, I ultimately ended up getting into a career, fortunately, where I'm a coastal engineer and I get to study all of that and get paid to do so. I work for HDR Engineering and I live back home in Corpus Christi, Texas now. But that's enough about us. So we wanna hop in, we've got some great guests for today. Um, We're gonna explore today's lesson or episode is gonna be a little bit different than our standard episodes, but we're gonna dive into COPRI and what COPRI is. So with that, we've got some really exciting guests and Tori, do you wanna go ahead and introduce yourself? Hi, sure. Thanks so much for having us on today. My name is Tori Tomacek. I am the current president of the COPRI Governing Board and um, really happy to be here today. Great. Thanks. We're, we're really excited to have, have you. And Tom, what about yourself? Thanks for having me. Uh, I'm Tom Chase. I'm the director of COPRI, as you said, the Coast Ocean Ports and Rivers Institute. And um, we really appreciate our partnership with the uh, Texas chapter of COPRI and uh, congratulate you on this inaugural podcast. Thanks, Tom. We're so happy to have you guys. And before we get too far, um, Tori, your main job also is where we first met. So we, I think, have to have this happy 
uh, reunion. Uh, she was my college professor when I was a student at Navy and is a current professor. Uh, so Tori, would you mind just giving us a little brief background about how you got into this field of engineering, kind of where you come and how you got to where you are? Sure thing, Anna. And I'll tell you, it just makes me totally delighted to see you doing great things in coastal engineering. Um, as Anna mentioned, I'm an assistant professor at the U.S. Naval Academy. Before starting at the U.S. Naval Academy, I got my undergrad at the University of Florida, go Gators. Um, and really, it was at the University of Florida, I just fell in love with my hydromechanics and geotechnical engineering classes. And that's where I found my interest in coastal engineering. Um, so for graduate school, I decided to go to the middle of the country in Indiana um, at Notre Dame. Um, still figuring that one out, but they have a fantastic program out there. And I was lucky enough to study um, hurricane wave forces on coastal structures, both through field reconnaissance and also in the laboratory. And um, after that, I was able to participate um, in some experiments at Kyoto University in Japan um, and then participate in a postdoc uh, fellowship at Oregon State University, where I was, again, looking at uh, experimental measurements of wave forces on coastal structures. And I started at USNA in 2017. And most recently, I've been interested in understanding how natural and nature-based infrastructure like mangroves or emergent vegetation can help to provide uh, shoreline protection and wave attenuation um, to protect our coastlines. And fun, fun point there, Tori. I don't know if you know this, but I uh, studied under Dan Cox at Oregon State. And I recently was talking to him and he mentioned you. So I know y'all are working together. Um, so just yeah, Dan's fantastic. Yeah. And it's just it's funny how this coastal world always is, is a pretty small world. And we find that we all have connections in, in so many different ways. Yeah, it's true. It seems like everybody knows everybody. Tom, do you want to give us a little more about your professional history and how you found yourself in Copri? Yes, uh, sure. I'd be happy to. So I also grew up on the water. Uh, I grew up in Newport, Rhode Island, and uh, I learned to sail. Uh, you know, as a kid and scuba dive and uh, swim. I didn't surf, um, but, you know, I went to uh, uh, University of Rhode Island and I got a bachelor's degree in mechanical and ocean engineering. And uh, I started working, you know, right out of school uh, for a, a company that was working for the Army Corps of Engineers uh, monitoring dredge material dump sites all along the New England coastline. And um, that job took me to San Francisco where we did some work for the Army Corps uh, looking at uh, dredge material disposal in San Francisco Bay and particularly at Alcatraz. And I was involved with a mass balance study about uh, disposal of dredge material there. Um, and just a little background on that, they were uh, had started deepening uh, Oakland Harbor, and they just took all the cemented, uh, you know, uh, material that they dredged out and dumped it, where what was historically a dispersive site became a, a mound, and ships were running aground on it, and it was really the key disposal site for maintenance material in San Francisco Bay. So I got out there, at, you know, right at that time, you know with just a few years experience uh, doing field work. Um, and then I got hired by the client and I went to work for the Army Corps of Engineers there uh, on their long-term dredge material management strategy uh, for, for three years. And it was great living in San Francisco and uh, being on that coast. 
but ultimately came back east. I've had uh, several jobs here um, in the DC area. Uh, originally came here and worked for EPA on ocean dumping regulations and 404 dredge material regulations. And, um, and then worked at uh, the American Association of Port Authorities as uh, a government relations uh, person working on Corps of Engineers policy and environmental policy. Uh, ballast water was a big issue at the time, air quality issues uh, at the time I worked on. And then about uh, 15 years ago this year, I came over to ASC and took over as director of Copri. <laughs> so that's my my long sorted tale. Wow, we, it sounds like you've got like numerous uh, project spotlights that we could bring you back for. <laughs> <laughs> and some have to do with the with the your area, and I'll I'll probably mention that one at some point. Awesome. So now that we've all said as many acronyms as we possibly can, we want to circle back to our favorite ones, ASCE and COPRI, which you will hear all the time. ASCE, for those who need to know, is the American Society of Civil Engineers, and COPRI is one of the institutes that you can join as a member of ASCE, the Coast, Oceans, Ports, and Rivers Institute, which is what Philip and I are both a part of and Tori and Tom represent. So Tori and Tom, uh, first we want to start with like explaining kind of what ASCE is and how COPRI fits into it and like what the national organization does. Sure, Anna. I'd be happy to talk about that. So ASCE is the professional membership organization for civil engineers. Uh, you know, it's like the American Bar Association is for lawyers. We have about 150,000 members throughout the world. And uh, most of our members get their first introduction to ASE when they're students. We have over 300 undergraduate student chapters uh, throughout the world, uh, and pretty much every university in the in the U.S. that has a civil engineering program uh, would have a, a undergraduate ASE chapter. Some of the projects that happen in the chapters that a lot of engineers know about or participate in include the concrete canoe contest and the steel bridge contest um, and other conferences and activities that undergraduate civil engineering students engage in. Um, and then besides that student outreach part in the overall governance, it, it kind of falls two ways uh, in terms of the uh, organization. ASC is a regional kind of uh, organization with sections and branches uh, like the Texas section and the Houston branch. Um, and then and we have nine, re, uh, I'm sorry, 10 regions. Region 10 is international. And then there are nine regions that make up different parts of the U.S. and the whole hierarchy. And then uh, there's a technical side of ASC, which uh, gets into our institutes. And I'll just say we have nine technical institutes that fall under the subdisciplines. And, um, and that a variety of sort of uh, cats and dogs, technical areas, if you will, that, that fall under a overarching ASCE uh, body called the Committee on Technical Advancement for things that are kind of outside of the institutes. And um, yeah, so we 
our board, the overall ASC board is made up of representatives that come from the technical side and then other representatives on the board that come from the regional side. So a member votes kind of from both parts, depending on their technical specialty and also depending on their uh, where they live. So ASCE are the people who keep putting out those report cards for our bridges, right? Yes, that's part of what we do. So as civil engineers, you know, our, our primary mission is to hold health and safety paramount. And so, you know, it's a responsibility of civil engineers to call out when infrastructure is not safe and poses a risk. And so the society takes that uh, report card very seriously and puts a lot of effort and the members put a lot of effort into that. And, you know, that's resonated with the public and we and with politicians and in the government. And we saw that with the infrastructure bill that recently passed. Awesome. Well, well thanks, Tom. Uh, Tori, do you want to dive a little bit more into specifically what the Copri Institute is? Sure thing, Philip. As Tom mentioned, there's nine different institutes, and each of those institutes basically provide a different technical expertise uh, to the overall ASCE, um, overall to the ASCE. Um, COPRI is specifically focused on coasts, oceans, riverine, um, and port infrastructure. And I think especially in um, you know today's world where coastal engineers, ocean engineers, port and riverine engineers are having to deal with new challenges associated with climate change, I think there's a lot of exciting ways forward for COPRI to be able to really contribute to um, the engineering and the adaptation um, for these communities. Awesome. And I'm actually, Tori, I'm, I printed off. So you took over as president here very recently, right? And so you just sent out a looking forward message and, and hit on to several of those things there. It looked like climate data and projections was a big part of that. Do you want to dive a little bit more into that? Yeah. And Tom, please jump in the second I start to um, go too far. But uh, I know one big initiative from COPRI is to try to start uh, working with the latest uh, science and data from NOAA and really start incorporating that in design standards, um, how to design with sea level rise, how to design with climate change. Um, I think there's a lot of other exciting initiatives, too, looking at uh, nature-based infrastructure for shoreline protection and for, um, you know, riverine um, stabilization as well. Um, and so I think those are, you know, maybe two initiatives, but definitely I think there's a lot of ways forward for COPRI and um, all of the engineering institutes. That's awesome. And I, I know as myself, as a, a practicing engineer in these fields, you know, the, the more we can grow in those disciplines is awesome because as we're looking at these projects and we're working with other civil engineers, there's a lot of unknowns with this and people know of sea level rise. They know of these climate projections, but then we say, well, how do we do it? And how do we put it into a bid package? And there's still a lot of things that we're working through. And so it's great to see that we've got an institute like this that's going to focus on that and really try and drive some of that home. Yeah, and Philip, one of my favorite things about being a part of COPRI is coming from the academic side, I think, you know, the tendency is to let's study it, let's do a big experiment and then write a paper and then we're done. And so seeing that dialogue between practitioners and academics and government is really beneficial, I think, to actually start seeing how these uh, new advances in science can be implemented and what are the real challenges that are facing uh, practicing engineers today. Yeah. And just another shout out to Dan Cox on that one. Um, he's been so great about reaching out to us and being like, hey, what can we 
be co- coordinating on communicating about, you know, you're out practicing and we're at, we're at the university studying. So how can we make sure that those are working together? So, um, yeah, again, really excited about all that work. And I'll just add a big shout out to design standards that you mentioned as a junior practicing engineer. I love design standards and knowing how things work and how things are supposed to work. And I could tell you that reading academic papers is not my favorite way to update my designs for review. So I'm very excited to get more and better design standards. Tom, I know you had mentioned previously in our conversations that there's some uh, movement happening within ASCE to get some standards for us in the coastal ocean domain? Yeah, that's our goal is to, uh, and our focus uh, is to produce some standards or, or manuals in this area. Um, we have existing documents and, and some in progress that deal with port structures. Um, and that's more related to that there wasn't available uh, manuals there. And so practitioners came in and Copri's Ports and Harbors Committee uh, has been very active. And you're probably familiar with like the waterfront inspection manual and the, well, you may not be familiar with the seismic design appears in Wharf's manual, uh, but that's a Copri manual. And we're working on a design standard for peers and wharfs. Um, and we'll be incorporating some of this uh, uh, research from the collaboration with NOAA that um, Tori mentioned. And, and I can talk more about uh, on the coastal side, our challenge has been that, you know, a lot of uh, reliance has been put into the Corps of Engineers uh, manuals and, and to the Corps of Engineers to provide this. And so I think we have an opportunity, but it's going to take a kind of new mindset in the coastal space to actually produce these kind of manuals and standards. And it, it really makes me happy to hear you say that you feel the need for it. And so part of our our mission is to find volunteers and, and we could talk a little more about how we produce those, those uh, products, but basically they come from volunteers, from members working together to uh, develop those products. That's awesome. Like I said, music to my ears. I love that. Uh, my question when you're talking about all of that is, can you explain or define like ASCE as an organization versus the Army Corps of Engineers? and how that's a different organization and governmentally based and how an ASC standard is the same or different than a USA, like than an Army Corps standard? Tori, do you want to try that? Or I, I mean, I'm happy to take a shot at that. Anna, you're asking the hard questions, but uh, Tom, I can take a first pass uh, for sure. Um, yeah, so I think, um, for example, the U.S. Army Corps of Engineers publishes, um, you know, several guidelines and standards. For example, the Coastal Engineering Manual um, is what we cover in my Coastal Engineering class. It's full of fantastic information about wave forces on walls, beach nourishment, um, really anything you want to know from a coastal perspective, it covers it. I would say where that differs from some of the standards that are published from ASCE, such as ASCE 7, our uh, minimum design loads for buildings and other structures, is that the Corps of Engineers manual is often referenced and it's a well accepted way to do coastal engineering designs. But um, if I understand correctly, it's not a uh, mandated method to use. And so one 
beneficial thing about ASCE standards is that they're often used and adopted by local jurisdictions as um, really prescriptive ways to design building structures and um, infrastructure. I would add to that, you know, and just a lot of times for your coastal projects, you need a permit from the core uh, or the core is doing the project. So using their manuals, um, you know, makes sense. And they have other tools and, at, at, that they provide that helps in that process. Where the ASC, as uh, Tori mentioned, ASC 7 for buildings um, and the ma- manuals I mentioned earlier for ports, they're kind of used by the clients or by the governments in codes. Um, and I think, you know, that's where we would like to get in the coastal area. But I've heard from, from some of our members uh, that, you know, coastal projects are all research projects. And, uh, you know, even in the port space, um, structural engineers sort of comparing building a, a port terminal to a building you know, the building you go, you get ASC 7 and you've got all your standards and, you know, uh, but you get to really be creative in the coastal space. And uh, part of that is because we don't have a lot of strong manuals and, and standards. Um, but our challenge is, I think, to get that because the times demand it and the challenges demand it. Yeah, I certainly would, would say that's accurate. You know, a lot of us coastal engineers, I think, like that. We enjoy the fact that um, we get to have a little more science in that and, and kind of explore it without as much of a prescribed method. But it does create a lot of challenges, as I'm sure that all of y'all have seen. Um, one area where I've really seen it be a challenge is in design build work. When you're trying to, to keep a level playing field and you're trying to make sure that, that teams are following similar guidance, it doesn't make any sense for us to be uh, using these, these different approaches. And then on top of that, just going back to, to a professional engineer and, and the fact that we are out there to protect health and safety of the general public, you know, we want to make sure that we do have methods that are tried and true and that have been tested and gone through the right, uh, the right agencies, the right considerations. So we've, we've talked a lot about ASCE and COPRI kind of as a whole. Do you all have any thoughts? You know, Anna and I are both members of the, the Texas Gulf Coast chapter, and so um, a little more local. What does COPRI for us mean when we're looking at it at the local chapter? Can you all provide any insight on that, Tori? Great question, Philip. Um, Yeah, I think one thing I really like about being um, chair of the governing board this year is seeing all of the different um, individual projects and solutions that are coming out of the local chapters. And so I think um, from a local chapter perspective, I think it's really interesting to see different projects that you all are working on and uh, different, um, you know, opportunities, whether that's lunch and learns, whether that's um, continuing education. Um, But I think things that are directly related to the designs you guys are doing every day and the coasts that you're, um, you know, living on, I think is really uh, exciting um, for me to learn about. That sounds awesome. I think you nailed it on the head that each coast is different. Tom, you are correct. I have not spent much time in the seismic design of Pierce and Wharves as an engineer in Texas. We don't have that much seismic activity, but I have a future project coming up on the coast off of Seattle, and there I will most certainly become acquainted with the seismic design codes. And I think that's where it's really cool. As Texas engineers, we obviously understand seismic activity, but that's not what we spend all of our day or time on. 
And I got to circle around. We, we originally said this is a podcast by engineers and you saying that you love design manuals or design standards just made sure that, that everyone knew that. <laughs> Cause I don't think the general public would, <laughs> would jump on that same bandwagon with you. That's probably true, but that's just because I haven't read AOCE 7 yet. <laughs> so next that we wanted to talk about is kind of Copri initiatives. So I think we've mentioned a few already, but let's kick it to you first, Tom. Are there any other initiatives happening for the Copri Institute as a whole that we want to touch on more? Yes, I would uh, be very happy to tell you about uh, a recent initiative we undertook with the ASC Foundation so that uh, we can go out and start raising money to support our committee's work in getting the research we need to write the codes and standards and manuals that we were just talking about. Um, it's that important to the board and to the ASC, to, to the COPRI board um, and to the ASC Foundation uh, for us to be able to uh, go out and fundraise on this um, on this need, and uh, dedicate all of that money to um, to the research. and And I'll give you two examples of projects uh, really quickly that we uh, would use money for, um, either to do these directly or um, ideally as sort of matching funds with other with other sources. Um, one is um, we were talking about the seismic design standard. Um, there's not uh, field-level data uh, used to come up with the strain limits for the steel uh, pile-supported structures. And so there's uncertainty about um, the resilience of uh, steel pile-supported structures under seismic events. Um, and so we really want to get out and be able to do uh, field testing of, of these under different situations. And the committee has been trying to get money from a variety of sources. Um, and we were just like, we got to, you know, we need to, to do this. We need to make the standard uh, safe and we need this data. Um, we put a proposal into the Navy and, and that got turned down. So we're, we're looking to kind of just fund that. That would be with the uh, university, um, uh, UC San Diego would be doing that work. Um, for us. The second uh, area we're working on is a, we put in a proposal with the Navy for internal R&D looking at uh, climate impacts to uh, waterfront structures uh, to Navy facilities and you know what are increased storm surge um, uh, rainfall you know all of the all of the uh, the kinds of climate impacts that we know are, are happening on the coast. What, how, how does the Navy work to um, improve the structures, improve the resilience? And as you guys know, right, all of this is in a risk-based framework. Um, and so how do, we, how do we look at the risk? How do we meet certain service levels and, um, and resilience? So those are two exciting areas. And, and the fund, we're gonna really launch the fundraising for that in April. Uh, you'll see a lot of it in different ASC channels as well. I have another hot question for you. So we talked earlier about the Army Corps of Engineers and their coastal manual and kind of their relationship to ASCE. Can you explain the Navy's relationship with ASCE 
and Copri and what that looks like and how it's different than like the Army Corps? Well, I'll start and then maybe uh, Tori can, can give you her view from the Navy. But generally, we have two kinds of relationships with with those organ with those kinds of organizations. One is we have the member relationship. So many of the employees of those organizations are members of ASCE um, in in the civil engineering disciplines. And so um, we get their thoughts and involvement on that side. And then, you know, on the other side, they're, they're an employer of civil engineers. They're owners of civil engineering infrastructure. You know, they're um, users of our of our codes and services and all those sorts of things. So, you know, and then there's maybe even a third kind of relationship, which is the government affairs type uh, relationship. So there, you know, and each of those is a little bit different, um, but it, it all ultimately comes down to people and, and the individuals. Yeah, Tom, I think you hit the nail on the head there. I think the only thing I would add from um, the institution point of view, USNA, is that we've got a very active uh, concrete canoe team and we're looking forward to the competition this spring. I think for, for anyone that's not familiar with AAC and the concrete canoe team, we've mentioned that a couple of times. Tori, do you, do you want to elaborate a little bit more on what that is? Sure thing, Philip. So the concrete canoe is a nationwide contests that undergraduate students participate in. Basically what happens is they form teams, they uh, design a concrete mix, it's got a float, uh, they um, form it, it's um, a canoe, and then they paddle in it. And um, at the end of the spring semester, I think sometime there's a national competition where they actually race the canoes that they designed um, and built out of concrete. And so I think it comes as a surprise maybe to um, some people that you can have canoes that are actually made out of concrete. Um, but definitely, I think a lot of really uh, creative designs that come out in terms of concrete mixes and uh, different uh, uh, things that the students um, will uh, come up with. Definitely an, an awesome application of, of all the things we learn as civil engineers to try and try and figure that one out. So that's really cool. Looking into 2022, what's the, the biggest thing y'all see for, for our COPRI members to be looking for? I can go ahead and start. I think one thing that I'm really excited for is um, I think we're um, hopefully coming towards a new sort of normal where we're able to balance uh, in-person meetings. So I know the Ports Conference is coming up uh, later this summer in Hawaii, and I think that's going to be a really fantastic event um, and way just to you know meet other professionals and learn really what's uh, the newest um innovations in the field. And so I think things like that, we've got ICCE coming up a little bit after ports and um, just all the initiatives too that Tom was mentioning in terms of uh, making advances in coastal resilience and um, design standards, I think is really, really exciting. Who planned Hawaii? That's what I want to know. Who decided that we were like, yes, everyone needs a professional vacation to Hawaii. Tom, were you in charge? Well, I I had to make the final decision with the board, but uh, it was Bill Bruin, the current chair uh, of the of the conference, and uh, he made a persuasive case. And we were in Pittsburgh before that, and New Orleans before that, so it seemed like the right thing to do. And I was thinking the exact same thing as Tori said: the getting back together uh, with people, and and particularly ports in in Hawaii, but also um, Houston. I'll be there in May uh, for OTC, 
Um, that's one of our, our touch points with, with uh, Houston and with Texas. ASC, as, meant, as you probably know, but your listeners may not, is one of the 12 owners of the Offshore Technology Conference. And um, that conference is pretty much where Copri does its oceans uh, part of the uh, of Copri. We we support ASC's involvement with OTC, and it will be back in person uh, at its regular time slot the first week of May this year. And so we're very excited about that. Yeah, that conference is huge and always a great time. So on the conference topic, so we've, we've mentioned ports and OTC, which are in Houston and Hawaii. And every time I've heard of those, they're, they're uh, somewhere in the U.S., right? But ICCE, that's also a part of COPRI, correct? And that's an international conference that travels around the world? Yes, that's correct. We hosted it last uh, in the U.S. in 2018. And we're hoping maybe again in 2026, something like that. Awesome. Yeah, I was I was able to attend and present in 2018. So that was a, a great one. And it's really cool because coastal engineering in and of itself is, is a relatively small field. So it's awesome to get together with folks from all around the world and hear how other people are doing it um, and dealing with different conditions and different solutions. Yeah, I completely agree. I think um, it's really wonderful to be able to get that international perspective and kind of see, you know, how different places are dealing with, you know, ultimately fairly similar um, problems and issues when it comes to uh, coasts and oceans. And so I really, um, really enjoyed ICC in Baltimore. And I also wanted to shout out to uh, Pat Lynette and the organizing committee of the virtual ICCE um, for 2020, which I think was a great holdover till hopefully we can all get out to Australia um, in winter of this year. We're so excited for professional vacations. To round out this awesome inaugural episode, uh, we'll start with Tom and then we'll go to Tori. Could you just tell us the favorite, like your most favorite exciting project that you've been involved with in your professional career and kind of why you love it so much? Sure. Um, It actually has a Houston, uh, Texas connection. Um, And while I was working at the American Association of Port Authorities, AAPA. Uh, I kind of I worked on a sort of outside the box project uh, with another uh, nonprofit and with the EPA, uh, Environmental Protection Agency, to work with ports to implement environmental management systems as a way to deal with their, you know, environmental issues with their neighbors primarily and with regulatory agencies. And, you know, around that time, I guess that was in the um, uh, 2000s, um, early 2000s, a lot of the ports were, you know, trying to expand and they were running into these environmental challenges. And uh, we put together essentially a mentorship program uh, with with the experts in the other uh, nonprofit and with EPA's technical guidance on like ISO 9000. I'm sorry, 14,000 environmental management systems. And we trained about 24 ports uh, on how to go through that. Um, And the Port of Houston was uh, in the first class and was the first port in the country to become ISO 14,000 certified um, for their environmental management systems. And, you know, now it's pretty standard practice around the industry to use uh, EMS, environmental management system. So that's a, a real project I'm proud of and think of, you know, a lot about. 
Definitely an impact, impactful project. So Tori, what about you? What's a, a project that uh, is a really a highlight for you? Well, thanks for asking. Um, I have to say probably my favorite project has been some of the work that we've been doing to understand the engineering performance of mangrove systems. Um, this project started after we did uh, structural damage assessments in the Florida Keys after Hurricane Irma, and we observed that mangroves consistently um, provided some protection and reduced the damage to uh, sheltered waterfront structures. Um, building on those observations, we were able to get back out to Oregon State, um, working with Dan and perform two different physical model experiments, looking at wave attenuation and load reduction by mangrove forests. Uh, it also got me back out to the Florida Keys. We were um, uh, trying to measure uh, boat wake attenuation through mangrove forests, so uh, instrumenting mangroves themselves and seeing how wave heights attenuated as you move from the fringe of the forest and then uh, moving uh more and more inland. I had to justify to my mom a little bit why I kept traveling to, you know, Key West for work and, you know, renting kayaks. But uh, definitely, I think, um, you know, it's a lot of fun and something that I'm really hopeful is going to create some meaningful um, advances for the uh, field of nat natural and nature-based infrastructure. That's awesome. Yeah, I, I was doing wave height attenuation for my master's thesis with Dan, but we were in Oregon, so it was much colder. <laughs> <laughs> I'll have to I'll have to get on to him for not sending us to Key West. I love that you got to kayak professionally. I also have kayaked professionally for my job. So for anyone who's listening that's considering, I don't know, like maybe what major they want to be in college, ocean engineering, coastal engineering, we have fun. Anna, in all seriousness, I think uh, you actually hit on a really important point. I know something that drew me to coastal engineering in general was just how much um, I like being outside, how much I like seeing things physically. And I think that's really something that stayed constant in coastal engineering is this idea that, you know, you've really got to get to your site and understand it if you want to create a good design. And so um, I think those hands-on types of applications are, um, you know, not only fun, but also really, really important. Awesome. Well, thank you so much to Tom and Tori for your time today. I don't know about you guys, but I hope you had as much fun as I did. Who knew hosting a podcast would be this great? I hope that everybody who's listening, please come back and listen again. We're so excited to be here on the American Shoreline Podcast Network. If you happen to be in the Texas Gulf Coast area, our next chapter meeting will be on May 10th. Check out the notes to this podcast to get the link to join. We'd love to have you as a member. Please come hang out with us in person. We have some great speakers lined up this year. Thanks so much, Philip and Anna, for having us. Um, really enjoyed being here. Yes, thank you. And good luck with the podcast. I'll be sure to listen in. Awesome. Thanks again, Tom and Tori. This was awesome and a lot of fun. Yeah.